Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God All right, guys, so here's the deal. Bill's about to preach. We're going to give him the floor. He's going to be jumping into diversity. So this is when we start for two weeks our talks on diversity. These are our prayer pots. Some of you have it on your fridge. If you don't, you can take one of these home and put it on your fridge. Pray into them. Don't steal my whole intro. Okay, I won't. Okay. I'm not going to steal anything. This is a gifted. So, okay, anyway, take one home with you. It'd be awesome to have you praying for those things. Um, I want to pray for Bill. Can you guys join me and pray for Bill? Father, we just thank you for um, just the awesome person that Bill is. First and foremost, the friend that he is to people, the availability he gives people, the space he creates for others. Thank you that he's not selfish. Thank you that he cares for your people. He cares for uh, people who don't know you. He cares for everyone. I just thank you for his heart. I pray that today you would just speak clearly through him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't want to kick over the bucket of carabiners. And I don't want that to happen to you. So I'm going to put this up here. Okay. Good morning. morning. How are we doing? Hey. I hate this thing. It's on. It is on. You can't hear me. Um, All right. We good? Okay. I'm going to pray first before we start. Lord, I thank you for your presence here this morning. It's evident. It's clear. It's palpable. You are in the room. Lord, give us ears to hear. And hearts to receive what you have for us today. Amen. Okay. 
So for those of you who have been a part of this family for a, for a while, um, last year we introduced the idea of these prayers of the season, the pots that we talk about. Um, that we're trying to partner with the Lord in what he has for us. Uh, we just introduced our latest pots a few weeks ago, right? Um, these were the, a product of a kind of a corporate seeking for what the Lord has for us. And we, we prayed into it as a church staff, and we asked you guys to partner with us and pray for us, pray for them as well. And we took all that information together um, and, and assembled the pots that we have. We have that? There we go. All right. You've, got, you've seen these things. They've got magnets on them. You can actually, actually put this on your fridge. Um, but that's, those are, that's where we feel like the Lord is, um, what the Lord has for us right now in this season. Um, we prayed for the pots last season, and we saw evidence of the Lord's move in each one of those prayers. And we're, we're praying expectantly for that as well this time. Um, for the last couple of weeks, Josh covered uh, the unity pot here. Um, and that's not a new concept, unity, uh, especially in church, right? In there, you'll notice on the pots, we've listed verses for each of these pots. The scriptures of the season, the sots, as Josh so wittingly coined them, because they rhyme. Um, for unity, right, we're talking about Colossians 3.14. Um, but we could have listed 10 verses for unity, right? And not exhausted all the verses that address that uh, in the Bible. It's a crucial element to a healthy body. And I'm here this morning to talk about, as Josh said, diversity. Diversity was something that came up from a number of us in the, on the staff as we were praying for the next round of pots. Um, and it came up through your prayers as well as we assembled those from you. It was in the room. Um, so it's clear to us that diversity is something that the Lord has for us right now. It's on the Lord's heart for us in this time. Um, and I see diversity as the flip side of the unity coin. Right? In Colossians, Paul tells that church body, there we go, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we were all the same, it would be much easier to live in unity. But we're not all the same. In Colossae, where Paul is writing to that church, that city was not made up of one people group either. So we can assume that the church he's speaking to in Colossae matches the demographics of Colossae at the time, right? It's a mix of Hebrews and Greeks, um, and it had a mix of folks with a mixture of religious backgrounds. Um, Jewish, Gnostic, some pagan influences. And given this diversity in Colossians, Paul is calling them to unity. In reality, we know that diversity is part of Jesus' character. One of the problems with the idea of diversity, though, is that it's not something that's always welcomed, much less represented in church. Historically, we as Christians have segregated ourselves in denominational groups, right? And within the denominations, we further segregated ourselves in churches belonging to a single denomination, 
made up of a singular subgroup of people, often racial groups. Think about it. How commonly do we use the term, well, that's a black church, that's a Hispanic church, or that's a Korean church? That's not what heaven's going to look like. We talk about in Smyrna as in heaven, we have a sign. That sign represents, oh, good Lord. <laughs> that was good because I didn't, could have said something else. And I didn't. It's good Lord. <clears throat> right, that's, that's our heart for the community. We live in the now and the not yet. Jesus came, he suffered and died. He rose from the dead. That changed things. We don't have time to go into theological underpinnings of what that means. But Jesus' resurrection changed the spiritual atmosphere on earth when the Holy Spirit was unleashed to help us. To help us discern his will. To provide wisdom in difficult circumstances. To help us find forgiveness when our instinct is for vengeance. In heaven we will know his will. We'll have unfettered access to his wisdom. There will be no need to find forgiveness because there is no conflict. Again, though, we live in the now and the not yet. When we talk about diversity, we can get uncomfortable for any number of reasons. We're on guard for an attack about how racist we are or how racist others think we are. We're angry because we're treated less than or we're marginalized. We're confused because we're, either, we're greeted with a smile in one context and suspicion in another. All the tension compels us to throw up walls, right, to protect ourselves. We recoil, we retreat into our own group. We separate because it's safer than facing the conflict that lays around the corner. We just don't want the conflict. In Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is one of our scriptures for diversity uh, this, this season. In the abstract, we can take some assurance <clears throat> from the fact that the Lord wants to destroy these barriers that we've built to, to separate us from each other, the walls that make it very easy to ignore the plights of the others that we pass by every day, the barriers that protect us from invasion from some group that we fear for reasons that we take for granted because others in our group have convinced us that they are not like us and therefore they or bad. What Paul is conveying in this letter to the Ephesian church is bigger than the abstract idea that the Lord tears down barriers. This verse is in the middle of Paul's many discourses about the reconciliation of Christ, the, reconcilia the reconciliation that each of us must make to God. If we are to overcome the barriers that we have with each other, that is, find reconciliation with another group, we must first reconcile ourselves to the Lord. Paul, in Ephesians, Paul is addressing the Gentile community in Ephesus that, that was not circumcised, as the Jewish counterparts in this new church were. Through Christ, they are now also part of this new, new community, in, and not in any diminished way. Right? He writes in Ephesians, they are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Paul reiterates this truth that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has a new identity. They're all one. In Galatians 3, 26 to 28, 
You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So yes, we are diverse. But via the reconciliation we find through Christ, the things that we think make us different don't matter or shouldn't matter. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now I can understand that. I can grasp that. My reconciliation through Christ opens a door for me to walk in my identity in Christ. I talked about identity about a year ago up here. I don't have time to revisit that discussion today, and I took too much time talking about it a year ago. <laughs> you chuckle now. You weren't laughing then. But we are called to more than just personal reconciliation. We are called to a ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Of course, reconciliation starts with us as individuals. And it moves beyond that to working with the reconciliation to others. For them to experience a personal reconciliation of their own. But how do we engage others, especially others we're not familiar with, in a way that affords them the opportunity to experience the reality of Jesus that brings about reconciliation? First, we have to cultivate understanding. The key to developing understanding is having empathy for the other whoever the other is. That could be your parents, an older generation, your coworkers, a younger generation, any minority population, black, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, LGBTQ, disabled, it doesn't matter. Empathy, though, is not sympathy. Empathy is feeling with. Sympathy is feeling for. Empathy is attempting to walk in another's shoes. Sympathy is pitying another's plight. Sympathy fosters separateness that does not engender understanding. Seeking understanding implies that I don't have a complete grasp on a subject. That's the posture we must have to enter into a discussion about whatever topic separates us. If I enter into a discussion thinking I have all the answers, they just need to hear what I have to say. And then they'll understand things correctly. We'll never get anywhere. You might as well just stick to posting your opinion on Facebook because you'll have about as good a chance as convincing me that you're right. We can't come into a discussion with the goal of convincing the other they are wrong. And that's what we're doing when we're trying to convince the other that I am right. It's an either-or argument. The either-or argument explains our current political environment. The either-or argument explains the history of denominational theological arguments. We have to strive first for understanding. To do that, we have to listen. We have to listen. That will sound really good, but two variations. We have to listen. We have to listen. (laughs) James 119. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When we enter into a conversation ready to win the argument, we are not listening. We are primed for a fight. We get upset quickly. We were talking about diversity, and as I look around the room, I'm encouraged by the diversity that I see. I have never been a part of a church body that's this diverse. That's nothing for me to be proud of. It's just my experience. And I imagine it's the experience of many of you in the room. When I was a kid going to a Catholic church in Marietta, the parish was mostly white. In high school, I started going to the United Methodist Church. The congregation was mostly, if not completely, white. My family moved to Cobb County in 74, and the demographics have changed in the 42 years since. Do the math. The demographics of the whole country have changed since then and will continue to change in the coming decades. It's the new reality. If we're going to be a part of transforming this community, our community, we have to reach across the divide we've allowed to separate us. That starts with understanding. We cannot understand those who are different from us in color, age, gender, or religious belief unless we build relationships with them. We have to affirm the dignity of others without making our affirmation contingent on agreement with our perspectives, without requiring righteousness first. That sounds a lot like grace, the grace bestowed upon us by Christ. He died for us before we even acknowledged him. He takes care of us as we are. He takes us as we are. The transformative work he does in us comes about through relationship with him. Any transformative work we're going to see in our diverse community is only going to come about through relationship. That means getting to know your neighbor, especially the ones who are different than you. We moved into Carriage House at the end of June. And there's a woman in the community that we've started to build a relationship with. Her story's very different from ours. We only know that because we introduced ourselves to her about 10 weeks ago. In the span of that 10 weeks, here's what that introduction has led to. We know she's a grandmother. We know she has custody of her young grandson. That grandson's father is in jail. She has custody of the grandson because the mother, the grandson's mother is on drugs and lives somewhere else and wasn't in a place to care for him. She works six days a week. Her daughter and two other grandkids live with her as well. She's been in our apartment with Jen to have coffee. Her living room furniture was old and worn out, but she didn't have money for anything new or newer. We had some friends who were getting rid of some living room furniture that they didn't need anymore and were willing to give it away. So we borrowed a truck, we picked it up, and delivered it to her. A new couch, an oversized chair, and an ottoman. She loved it. She loved it so much that she took Jen out for a really nice lunch. A couple days ago, she asked us if we would watch her grandson one night while she had to be out. The grandson that she took in for, as her own to protect him from some negative realities he was facing. Every time it happens. Here's what I know about this woman. She works hard. Really hard. Like a lot of us in this room. She cares about her family. Like a lot of us in this room. She knows how to show gratitude. Like a lot of us in this room. She isn't quick to trust new people. Like a lot of us in this room. Given the opportunity to get to know new people, though, she's willing to risk opening up to them 
and inviting them into her life in a real way, like many of us in this room. Where did that all start? By Jen taking the time to listen to her story. To try to understand where she came from and where she is. I say all that not to say how great Jen is, which she is. But I hope you would see how easy it can be to start the process. Just introduce yourself to someone and ask them to tell their story and listen. Once we listen to those who are different from us, we can begin to understand in the context of relationship. And as that relationship deepens, we'll be able to understand more fully what they think, what they feel, what sets them off, what hurts them, what elates them, and then how we can best help them, how we can best serve them, not out of our own desire, but as the Lord reveals where and when to step in. Micah 6.8, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Isaiah 1.17, Learn to do right, Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. I cannot act justly or love mercy or walk humbly without the Lord's help. I cannot figure out how to act justly without first understanding the other's experience. Remember, we're called to a ministry of reconciliation, not vengeance. If others use vengeance to attempt to achieve justice, that's not an excuse to throw up my hands and say, well, why should I help them? It's not an excuse to exact vengeance of my own. In April 68, Martin Luther King Jr.'s approval rating among whites was 23%. His disapproval rating amongst blacks was 68%. If you know your civil rights history, there, there were those in the black community who had tired of King's nonviolent message by 1968. They believed that the injustices they were facing required something less nonviolent. King stuck to his beliefs, and I submit his beliefs about a nonviolent means to the end of justice, the end of justice, right, the means to the end, the end being justice, for the black community or for any community were more consistent with the biblical ideas set forth in Micah 6, 8 and Isaiah 1, 17. The spirit of vengeance is not the means we are called to to seek justice. We are called to love. Luke 6, but to those who will, of you who will listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. John 13, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So also you must love one another. Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Matthew 5, from the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not the even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? It's difficult to talk about diversity and not talk about racial issues. But the idea of diversity is much broader than just races. In the church context, as I mentioned earlier, I see diversity as the flip side of the coin of unity. 
We're called to unity. We're called to be one with those who are different. At River City, we talk a lot about living in love. It's one of our four pillars. We cannot live in love in the ultimate sense if we are excluding or marginalizing some segment or segments of our body. The people that worship differently than you, you're called to be one with them. Seek to understand where they're coming from. Maybe they worship differently than you do. Maybe you doubt the sincerity of their worship. You cannot know that, especially if you've never sat down with them to talk about worship, their experience with worship. The older person whose theology is different from yours, you may think it's outdated, dogmatic, out of touch, closed off. How did they arrive at that point? Seek to understand where they're coming from. They are as much a part of this body as you are, as I am. None of us has a higher standing than the other. We're all children of God. We're all reconciled to the same Lord through Christ. And there is something we can learn from them. You don't have to agree to seek or reach understanding. You don't have to agree to have empathy for them. So how are we supposed to approach understanding about starting to unite this diverse body? I hate this thing. About starting to unite the diverse body we're a part of and the diverse community that we live in. I think three things come into play. Charity, liberty, and wisdom. Charity, as that term's used in the Bible, is a reference to one of the Greek terms for love, agape. You've probably heard that term thrown around. Agape love refers to the love that God has for us and we have for God. It embraces a universal, unconditional love that transcends, that serves regardless of circumstances. It's founded in admiration, veneration, and esteem. It must exist to affirm the dignity of the other people, of, of, other, of others. The idea that I talked about before. We have to see those who are different from us the way the Father sees them. Agape. Liberty. By liberty, I'm referring to the idea of freedom. As Jesus said in John, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If we follow Jesus' teachings, we will know the truth, and the truth sets us free. The truth is that Jesus embraced diversity. He came to break down barriers that we set up and adhere to. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Paul wasn't limiting the removal of these barriers to only those three sets of conflict. Don't get caught up in that, that literal sense. He was communicating Jesus' heart, Jesus' character. The liberty we experience through the reconciliation through Christ is the same liberty we must embody as we work to understand the other. We are not slaves to the ideas that we were raised with or the preconceived notions we have about others. We are free to engage in relationship with people to hear their stories and understand where they're coming from, why they believe what they believe, why they do what they do. Through that relationship, we'll have opportunities to share our own story and see what the Lord does with that. We'll know when and where and how to seek justice for the other. Wisdom, right? Charity, liberty, and wisdom. Wisdom. By wisdom, I'm referring to a couple things. One's the idea of self-control that Josh talked about a few weeks ago. We have to realize that just because something's okay for us, it may not be okay for someone else, at least not yet. Now, I'm not saying diversity is okay for some and not okay for others. I believe diversity is something that the Lord expects and desires. But my experience tells me that diversity is not something that people tend to embrace easily. 
When we are challenged, we tend to get defensive and protective of what is ours, even our own ideas. That's human nature. Some of us are open to change. Others are not. Wisdom tells me that I cannot make someone do something they are not ready to do. Self-control helps me not say or do something that pushes another farther away because distance only makes understanding that much harder to achieve. I don't want to be a stumbling block. Now, wisdom also for me, I, I think about what's described in the Old Testament as the fear of the Lord. Fear in this context is not what you may be thinking of as, you know, as a child when your mother said, wait till your father gets home. That's a different kind of fear. Fear in this context is, is really the awe directed at the Creator God. That He created this world and me in it. He cares about me and what I care about. I am wise in this sense if I hold on to the idea that my knowledge is limited. That He has a plan and a purpose for me beyond what I could have for myself. With that comes a posture of humility. That maybe I don't know everything. That maybe there's more going on here than I think. That maybe the headline or the soundbite doesn't capture the full picture, regardless of who wrote the headline or edited the soundbite. From that place of humility, I can, I can let my preconceived notions sit in the background and seek understanding from the other's perspective. I can empathize with their situation. I can develop a relationship with someone I seem to have very little in common with because I desire to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with my God. Charity, liberty, and wisdom can go a long way in bridging gaps between us. They can help us identify where change is needed, how the Lord desires to achieve the change that is needed. Okay, so I mentioned, I feel diversity, I, I think diversity is the flip side of the unity coin, right? As we talk about diversity, it may create some conflict within us, but he himself is our peace. We're called to a ministry of reconciliation, which requires us to cultivate an understanding of and empathy with the others in our life. To develop understanding, we have to listen and be in relationship with others. In the context of these relationships, charity, liberty, and wisdom guide us as we seek to open doors between us and those who are different from us in any number of ways. From there, my prayer is that the Lord leads us to reconciliation with one another and then transform our community. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your heart for us, all of us. I thank you that you call us together to be one body. As difficult as that can be at times, Lord, I, I know you're in that. I pray that we will take a chance and risk to engage with somebody different than us. Have a conversation. Listen. Not to win an argument, but to develop a relationship. To understand them. To empathize with where they are, where they've been, where they're going, where they want to go, where they don't want to go. To live in love with them.
I'd like to do something a little different with prayer right now for, for us as a body. I'd like us to get into groups, okay? Kind of where you are, just kind of assemble. There's no set number you need to be in, but just kind of in a group, four, five, six, ten, it doesn't matter. Um, Three things I want us to pray together. Okay? How can I meet my neighbors? How can I understand my neighbors? And how can I serve my neighbors? So if you just take some time, they're going to play while we're praying. Again, for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.